We are back. Hey. I guess. Yay! <laughs> I guess we're not back. This is the first episode of the show. So welcome everyone to an uproarious profundity. <laughs> and today's guest, the first guest of the show, makes perfect sense that as this is the origin episode of the show, when we think about origins, we think of motherhood, we think of birthing, and <laughs> we think of my mom. And so my mom is the first guest on this awesome, fun podcast that's full of unconventional wisdom for the spiritually attuned go-getter. Her name is Mom, but her legal name, of course, is Dina Carol Hargrove, married name Mohika, and she is a Southern belle who knows how to put the kill and kill him with kindness when needed. She looks like God mashed Sally Field and Jennifer Aniston together and then deep fat fried them in the fountain of youth. You probably know her from the book, I Am My Own Sanctuary, How a Recovering Holy Roller Found Healing and Power because she was the accidental, unintentional heroine of that book that editors and readers all said things like, I want more of your mom in my life. I want more of your mom in this book. And I told them no, because the book was done. But we progress. Um, her love language is bleach. And she has served in the public education for 37 years plus. And she's transitioned from her position as the assistant superintendent in Maybank, Texas, onto something very exciting, which we'll have to have her on again another time to explore that venture. And without further ado, welcome, Mom. Hey, Meg. So proud to be here with you today and so proud of you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> That's good to hear during this time of COVID when we're all trying to do our best. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's hard for it's sure. So hard. So hard. And um, later on in this episode, we're going to hear some inspiring and it's one, one inspiring stories where you were a total badass mom. And it's a very inspiring story that I can't wait to share. But before that, you must survive the first four parts of the show, which there are only two rules. You must answer in three seconds or less, or you'll be buzzed. And you can only answer with one word. Okay. So you are, of course, ready for this because <laughs> this is the second time we're doing this interview because of technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, technology. Okay, it's all good. It's all good. Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm going to test out my buzzard sound, make sure it's ready. Maybe. Oh, it's on Bluetooth. So that means there's a big buzzard sound happening in my speaker right now. That's awesome. Okay. Oh, it's okay. Hang in there. Ooh. There we go. That works. I don't think we're going to need this because your virtue is, I know sometimes you might think it's a vice that you talk really fast, but it's actually a virtue because it means you think really fast and that's why you're going to crush this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first category is this or that. Okay. Soup or fish? Soup. Mountain skiing or ocean swimming? Uh, ooh, mountain. Sandals or heels? Sandals. Teal or navy blue? Uh, navy blue. 
Tina Turner or Blake Shelton? Tina Turner. Coffee or wine? Wine. Summer or winter? Summer. Curl your hair or straighten your hair? Curl. Dancing or board games? Dancing. Fiction or nonfiction? Non. Deep sea diving or outer space traveling? Ooh, um, deep sea. Gap or Old Navy? Uh, gap. Chaperone a kid's field trip or pedicure to a stranger? Chaperone a kid's field trip. Okay, congratulations. You've made it through the first round. Yay! We forge onward now to true or false. Again, same rules apply. True or false, it's rude to send food back if it was not made the way that you ordered it. False. True or false, most schools in America need to do more with sex education in high schools. True. True yeah, or false. Yeah. True or false, people can be intelligent in different ways. True. True or false, life is better now that smartphones exist. False. True or false, small talk is a waste of time. False. True or false, age is a matter of mind. True. True or false, God speaks through dreams. True. True or false. Some dudes can rock a beard. Some dudes cannot. True. True or false. You can have a spiritual connection to an animal. True. True or false. People have to gain my trust. I don't just trust them right away. False. True or false. Piles of paper in an office are a sign of high intelligence. True. True or false, I have too many shoes. False. True or false, I have forgiven the worst person I ever worked for. Um, false. True or false, I am confident that I have good relational boundaries with those who stress me out. False. True or false, I like to work in the same place every day. False. True or false, having kids changes the people you want to hang out with. True. True or false, every year of life gets better. False. And last but not least, true or false, pumpkin spice latte? False. <laughs> not a fan of that pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Nope, nope. righty. going into the third round, word association. Okay. Ruby Payne. Brain. Poetry. Robert Frost. Douchebag. Pass. <laughs> I wanted to hear the story. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that. We have time. Drill team. Tigerance. Grant writing. 
Glorious. Finland. Pateri. Butterflies. Central Veneri. Interior design. Medifig. Marie Curry. Science. Girls Weekend. My girls. School boards. Dr. Marshall. Chicken and spaghetti. My mom. Fox. What? Foxes. Fox. Foxes. Uh, my home. Washington, D.C. Mo. Lake Dock. Say it again. Lake Dock. Dock on a lake. My home. IEP. Joe. Father. People. Museum. My girls. Lionel Richie. College. <laughs> Streaker. Tommy Wallace. <laughs> um, favorite mascara. Lancome. First car. Mustang. Burp, burp, burp. You've completed three of four rounds. Yay! Well, now go into complete this sentence. There's a little more grace here. So if you need to answer with more than one word, you are welcome to do that on this last round. Cool. A show that I could binge watch over and over again is... Friends. One trend that I'll never understand is Kardashians. I can't remember what I said on that last one. No, I, I don't understand that either. Especially how they have 19 seasons. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. If I could travel back to one point in time, it would be Camping in Garmish with my sister and my kids and Mo. One book that changed my life was Smartest kids in the world. America could learn a lot about blank from the country of blank. Caring for their country from Finland. One lesson that I feel that I have been learning my whole life is that I am more blank than I once thought. Smarter than I once thought. One leader in my field who I followed as I built my career is? Loris Malaguchi. Malaguchi. He or she is different because? They approach school from the mindset of the impact it would have on the whole country. And it's people versus just each individual student. My greatest heartache that God brought some good from was? Mm. Sorry. You're good. You're good. Do you, do you have an answer? I don't want to rush you. I mean, obviously, that is the point of the game, to be rushed. But <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. That one's a toss-up, I think. Okay, we'll move on to a much easier one. One conspiracy theory that I could entertain is... 
UFOs. The last time I bit my tongue in a conversation, it was because it was over the topic of politics. People in my career field are mistaken when they think that we're doing everything right in the United States. One mystical experience that I had was in uh, Germany, Frankfurt, Germany. The last time I apologized was for something about family. I hate when people make assumptions or broad stroke assumptions about my views on politics or religion. I almost gave up on my dreams once because um, I guess lack of confidence probably. One mind shift that I have had in the past two decades is that blank matters more than blank. Relationships matter more than just about anything. Mm. And last question in the first half of the show, because you're amazing. This question is, me from 10 years ago would not believe that I now blank. Enjoy being home and not having a schedule. Oh, wow. Wow. That's so exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I know that our listener wants to dive deeper into the ridiculous yet deep session the round that we just had but before we do as i mentioned at the start of the show you were the accidental star unintentional star of i am my own sanctuary yes yes and great news for our listener the audiobook of i am my own sanctuary how recovering holy roller found healing and power just dropped recently dropped yeah. on it at audible.com very exciting about it. Yay. Yay. And so, dear listener, if you are hungry to take back power over your life, back from others, by tapping into the divine within, and you would enjoy, as David Dalt of the NPR show Things Not Seen called it, a full steam comedic rant, head on over to audible.com or the Audible app and get this book on um, as an audiobook listen to it while you fold laundry or nurse a baby or run it is there for you as a spiritually attuned go-getter if you're hungry for a resource that will help you to find confidence and certainty in who you are even if you feel like a fake while maintaining your job and social life and without disappointing those you respect head on over to audible.com today there you go and now we are what are you typing? <laughs> Sorry, I'm making a note right quick to remind myself of something you just said. <laughs> Sorry. I won't no, do it anymore. No, it's fine. It's it's very it's very true to the go-getter that you are. So this is great. And Miranda and I learned very quickly the hard way on the listening chair podcast. We were so annoyed at how keys this the computers were so sensitive to typing 
And so, because the first episode ever, we were taking notes like crazy three seasons ago on the interview and we had to redo it because all you heard was clickety, clickety, clack, clack, clickety, clack. <laughs> oh, how funny. So now we, I have a little red notebook that I take notes in on episodes of, over the, on that show. Um, because, oh, that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. No, 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 no. You know, I was not saying that for any reason, just to entertain and to share. So, um, so speaking of entertaining and yeah, speaking of entertaining in these questions, um, animals came up, um, in the word association and butterflies and some of my best memories with you revolve around animals and going to pick the milkweed for the butterflies in their classroom and zoo trips oh, and so much fun. I'm so going to try to do that this year, actually. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be, yeah, and flying squirrels um, over our house and the owls. And it was just, you ingrained in, you ingrained in us this, the beautiful role that we get to play as a caretaker of animals and the, the connection we have with them. And this is not new because there have been many stories from your childhood where you had, <laughs> you had, if I remember right, there were birds that you raised? Yes. I raised birds with Mrs. Wetzel's help. Uh, she was this very eccentric. She and her husband both were very eccentric. Very, they attended the Baptist church, very well respected in the community. She was a substitute teacher. I can't remember what he did, but they both raised orphan birds, mainly Miss Wetzel, but he supported her birds that fell out of their nest. And so when I came across my first bird that fell out of the nest. My mom always wanted us to learn so much and to learn from people that were truly experts in their field or experts in that area. So she called Miss Wetzel and Miss Wetzel and I became very close friends and I, I really thought the world of her. I liked the fact that she was eccentric and different and comfortable with who she was. And anyway, she taught me how to prepare food for starlings and uh, taught me about birds that were very difficult to raise uh, and taught me how to uh, return them to the wild when they were ready and things like that. She was just a, a very awesome woman. And we had, uh, I think I, most of the birds I had at one time was probably three and they lived upstairs. Peepaw was awesome and he got me a great big cage that we'd keep him in, but then Guy and I would let him out on occasion and they would fly downstairs to eat breakfast <laughs> to join us while we ate breakfast so and Nana would be downstairs because her room was downstairs and uh we would all have to turn the ceiling fans off real quick because the birds were flying around <laughs> but they would they would perch on the doors and poop and my parents were just so much better than I ever was they just they didn't care as long as we got to have the things we wanted and I mean I had birds I had squirrels I had chickens when I was little and, and a great big washer box that people brought home and put heat lamps on and they slept at the foot of my bed and it's just amazing all the experiences they they provided for us like I said so much better and in, in that sense than we were as parents they just they and they knew I was introverted and uh they they were happy to see me be happy with different things like that mm, yeah. it was usually always with an animal and that didn't stop when you were a kid, as I mentioned before. Wasn't there, there's a hilarious story that I heard once about a house in Terrell 
that there was still squirrel droppings on the ceiling or something, but I, I think you had that oh, squirrel. That's the, that's the bird story where Meemaw went back to visit the house that we lived in when I was in high school, and it was on uh, the Christmas tour, the Chris, uh, Christmas decoration or Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Christmas yeah, we, we have those. Anyway, yeah. and she looked at the back of the door of where my bedroom was, and there were still bird droppings on it. <laughs> where they didn't clean off the one side of the door. But anyway, it made her smile. But then the other story was when I was a teacher, a uh, first-year teacher, um, mom and dad had squirrels that fell down um, the fireplace. Oh, yeah. And, and they called me, and I went over and got them, and I had to read up on it. I didn't know exactly what to do with squirrels, but we figured out, and I had three of them, and they had bottles, and their eyes were shut. And Anyway, I raised them, and they would go back and forth to work with me in a shoebox, and when I got them in the car, I'd let them out of the shoebox, and they would crawl up in my hair. I had really long brown hair, and they would get up in on my shoulders and ride all the way to school, and then when I would stop, they would get back in the shoebox until I got them up to the classroom, and then they would get out of their box and um, I would give one of my students a bottle and I'd start teaching and they just take care of the squirrels and flick off poop off of their desk when they would poop. And <laughs> they were just precious. And the, ki the kids learned so much from them because I had some kids that were kind of tough, had had tough lives. And for them to have the opportunity to nurture and care for the squirrels was really a neat opportunity for them. Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of another moment. Um, didn't you interview for a job as a teacher with, was it one of the, baby Joe or baby, Jan, baby Janice under the desk in a, or was it me under the desk? There was one interview you did as a teacher. You. It was me? It was you. It was you. When I taught in uh, Natalia, Texas, they, uh, very frugal superintendent there, and he didn't want you to miss school. He'd rather you bring your sick kid with you, and really a wonderful, wonderful school district, and financially, they were very solid, mainly because of his belief of just being frugal and um, not, not worrying about everything being black and white, but trying to figure out ways to meet the needs of the kids, meet the needs of the community. Uh, like I said, he was, he was pretty, pretty awesome. But uh, anyway, it was you. Uh, when you would get sick, I would just take you to school with me and you would sit under, I had a great big wooden desk and you would sit underneath that desk and wait for me during the day. It was pretty cool. That's so cool. It's like we, you and I paved the way for me to take Henley to work with me now. Oh, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite pictures is Hanley working under your desk. Yes, I love that picture. So, so sweet. I've been so thankful to work in two places now where they both, they both welcome Henley at work with me. It'll be life-changing for her, I'm sure of it. Yeah, oh yeah, she's learning so much. And um, taking us to school was not the only thing that you did. You tell this hilarious story that you really brought me a lot of encouragement with as I was crying and cussing and complaining about... COVID shutting schools down and me having to, like hundreds of billions of other parents, teach and work at home now. Um, and you told me this amazingly inspiring story about um, the, uh, living, us living on the military base. And you, <laughs> our great grandmother was there to take care of us, but at the end of the day, she needed a break. And so you would haul all four of us or three of us to the grocery store but there was something that kind of got in your way of this errand at the, oh, yeah. the end of a long day can you tell us that story sure sure that was actually during the gulf war um and dad was dad was one of the first he was part of the first units that one of the first part of part were part of one of the first units to deploy and so mother pig and 
that was my grandmother. She was in her seventies. Uh, told me, Mom, she wanted to fly over and help take care of y'all, because she knew I would have to continue to work. Because Dad was a private at the time. He was a private. Um, anyway, he became a specialist while he was in Iraq. But um, anyway, uh, you to get on the base because there were threats of bombings and there were. Um, members of other countries, mainly of Turkey, that would come over and um, it was just very scary times, but they would search cars periodically when you went in and I was really upset one day because I kept getting stopped and they would want to search the car and I had you and Maddie and Joe and Joe was probably, let's see, five months old, six months old at the time in a car seat and I'd worked all day and mother pig was tired and she was looking forward to break. And anyway, they stopped me one night again and they'd let three or four cars go past me, go on through the gate, past the gate. And then they stopped me and wanted to search a car and I just lost it. I got mad and went in there and told them that if I look like some of these other women, they'd never stop me. And <laughs> I noticed the women they did stop were all relatively attractive and anyway, the guy was telling me I needed to calm down that the commander was in the back. And I said, that's fine. Bring him out here. Let me tell him what y'all are doing out here. And uh, anyway, he, he finally told me, he goes, go on, going back to the car, we're, we're finished. And uh, we'll try to take note of that. And anyway, just, just stuff like that. You're, when you're dealing with young soldiers in a time period like that, and you're dealing with moms that get overstressed. And, yeah. But anyway, just kind of telling them how it was. And it was the truth. It was the truth. Not that I'm a beautiful woman by any stretch, but there was, there was definitely a pattern in the women that they would stop. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love when you turn on your, your inner badass. It definitely comes out <laughs> when it's needed and it, it comes out for justice. And another, one of the other many times that that comes out um, that I noticed over the years that I always admired about you is professionally in your career in public education, um, there were many times that young women in the high school who had, um, who were highly intellectually deficient, if I'm using the PC word for that, or the diplomatic word for that, um, that would get pregnant and um, you would have to come alongside their, their parents and help them get birth control. Like that was a reoccurring thing for you being the advocate for those women, right? Well, and basically what it was, and I spoke of her recently, Leslie Saunders at the Help Center for Henderson County. She's devoted her life to that, her adult life, and she's just a very, very special woman. Anyway, she, uh, I got to know her pretty quickly on a special ed director, and she did pregnancy-related services. I contracted with her every, every year through the district to come in and provide that, and she and I would work with the families she more so than me, but she would be like the liaison for the district to get them all the help that they needed and help the parents to have an understanding. And when needed, if a child was truly endangered, um, she would go ahead and get CPS involved. But, um, and then having conversations and helping organizations have conversations with children that are severely intellectually uh, compromised uh, Anyway, those types of children, to be able to have the conversations as they get older, what do you do in regards to help them from having an unwanted pregnancy? And what, what do those conversations look like? And really, the only people that can have those conversations are people that are in that same 
situation. I mean, it, you get those of us that haven't had a child like that truly can't be the ones to sway a parent on what to do. But I always could find people that were in the same situation that you could ask them to go help the other families, help them talk about things and help them find the resources that they needed. And so making those connections and then working with Leslie on it, but basically just being aware that when you're a school administrator, it's so much more than the academics. It's the, it's the child, it's the, it's the family and it's the impact that you can have over a whole community by taking time to meet the needs of one family, if that makes sense. It's just one act of kindness really can have rippling effects and making the right connections. And it's easy to make the right connections when people have respect for you. And I think that's the way Leslie is. A lot of people have respect for her and she has so many connections and I quickly attached to her to make sure that our kiddos got what they needed. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so, so awesome. And what a rewarding calling. What a, what an amazing thing to focus your, your career on for her. And I'm so glad that she partnered with you. Me too. She's a good one for sure. Yeah. And another great story that I love about your educational career. I know there's so many that I could talk about, um, but one that I don't know why these two the birth control one and then the streaker one. I don't know why they jump out at me. I think they both jump out at me because we have these, I'm not going to articulate this well. I'll just blame COVID for not sounding smart right now, but we put these, we put these rules in place, these policies in place, these operational tactical operations in place, like, you know, um, around birth control and around young women being too young to be active or purity culture from the church coming in, then we're like, wait, but some people have extreme intellectual deficiencies and they, they need birth. Like it's a whole different game when we talk about the people and not the, like there's exceptions. And I guess the streaker story, if I remember right, there were, the the streaker story is the same, is, is similar, I should say, in that we have these policies in place about something as registered sex offender showing up on a student's Record right. it's, it's the same thing with the whole um, zero tolerance stuff that we were dealing with. There's still some of it in play, but I think finally a lot of uh, district administrators and all started really looking at the impact that that can have on a child for the rest of their life, whether it's they had a, a knife in their car or this or that, you know, really looking at it because you have a lot of kids that go hunting and all those things. But the same thing about the streaker, um, trying to come up with consequences that are more appropriate for that child um, versus let's give him a ticket. Let's uh, put something on his record about it's not sexual harassment, sexual exploitation, I think, but doing that. And the one I got more involved with our superintendent actually dealt with the, the street one, but the one I got more involved with was uh, a girl that mooned a group of kids and it was after school hours and they were going to send her the DAP and put it on a record and it was going to be in her folder. And I just fought for her and like, no, that doesn't mean to mean that she's a sexual predator or sexual exploiter or whatever you want to call, call her. It's just, you know, come up with an appropriate consequence take time to teach her why, uh, but also understand that she is a, uh, she's a child and, uh, and she's growing and things like that. When I was growing up, you know, I'm not going to say it wasn't a big deal, but it really wasn't that big a deal. And 
we went through a time period in Texas for a while with zero tolerance that so many kids got caught up in that where they did something like that or a streak that it had the capacity to ruin their their school career and then also potentially follow them beyond school and uh, so there were several administrators like myself that really pushed the issue like is this really really what we want to do because I mean you know good lord talk about all the stuff you know about the brain it is not developed when children are 14 to 18 while they're in high school any if anything it's like all the map you know and mm -hmm. they don't know what they're, what they're doing half the time they're sad they're happy they're just acting crazy and the decisions they make between between 14 and 18 the bad decisions they make shouldn't haunt them the rest of their lives you know so anyway that's oh, basically yeah. that but i think with the speakers what happened to them is that our superintendent did come up with appropriate consequences and they, they kind of like did service to work with those kids and uh, it wasn't as big a deal and I think they did do a little bit of time in DAP but our DAP wasn't all punitive at all my phone was ringing Meg oh that makes that makes perfect sense that it wouldn't be punitive for sure it, you know, it's partly punitive, but it's also partly what can we do to help them? Yeah. Yeah. Make hold one second. Okay. Oh, crap. I can't find my phone. Can you hold? Yep. You're fine. Go get it. You're fine. Anybody know? Oh, it's Nick, I may have to call on that one. Hoping them. Are we on? What What other questions did you have for me, sweet girl? Okay, let me ask. Let me Make, uh, okay. Hold I, on. Yeah. There's no light. Let me text. Let me text them right quick and tell them I'll call them back in just a minute. Okay, we should wrap up. We'll, we'll try to wrap up by twelve forty. I'm gonna get something on our school call. Where's your mama? Okay. Five minutes. Minutes. She's right there brushing. Okay, Sugar, during your call, you need to turn off the TV to be with your class. Okay? I'm going to be listening to the TV while I do that. No, no, no listening to TV while you do class. You have to do class, just class. Another moment proudly brought to you by COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Meg, I love that positive attitude. <laughs> I am positive 90% of the time. <laughs> that is too funny. All right, what are we doing? Okay, I'm coming. Let me get her on our computer. Oh, gotcha. Hi, Henny June. Hi, Grammy D. Okay, Sugar, come get on your class call. Okay, can you hit join now? Turn off the TV and take your call, please. Thanks. Have fun. Okay. We are, we are back. We're back to the interview. And speaking of schools, as you mentioned earlier in the first half of the show, you talked about one broad or mistake that people make is that we're doing everything right in the American public school system. And it reminds me of your love for Finland. And so tell us why are schools in Finland 
what, why, why should we learn from them? What are they doing that's so much better and more helpful? Well, basically what they're doing in Finland, they're approaching school, um, not just school, but everything, everything links together, all the organizations link together. And they think about the impact each organization, whether the hospitals or government entities are social services, whatever, all of them have to link together with great purpose in taking care of the people of their country. They are seen as the greatest resource there and they teach them from day one, children start to learn to appreciate their land, their people, their other people in their country, the uh, environment, I think that might've been redundant, but just their culture, they're taught to appreciate everything early on. And you can see that when you watch kids on a field trip, how much respect they have for one another, how much respect for the, they have for the people around them. And like in museums and stuff, they're taught three or four years old how to, to interact with what they're seeing in a museum and how to appreciate it. Uh, but what they do that's so amazing is they really look at, okay, if we make this decision about schools, how's it going to impact our economy? So they kind of look at their economy. They look at what's coming down the pike, they think, eventually. And they think, okay, we're going to work backwards from that. If this is where we think our country is headed, we've got to produce individuals strong enough, smart enough, creative enough to respond to that because we want them to be employed. They want their people to be employed. They know that that's what keeps people emotionally healthy is to be, to feel, uh, I don't want to say successful, but to feel like they can take care of themselves. They're self-sustaining and schools trust. I mean, families trust the schools. They trust the teachers. And a lot of people here are like, well, that's because their teachers get paid more. Their teachers get paid more because they're more highly skilled and trained than our teachers are. Mm -hmm. They truly front load. Their teachers have to have a master's in their core area as well. They're viewed like attorneys and doctors are here because again, they're so specialized. There's only like two or three universities in Finland that actually have strong teacher programs. And those are the ones that they rely on to create the teachers that are going to go into the classrooms. And there are people that will interview for years before they actually get to be in a classroom because the, the expectations are so high for the teachers there. And then what happens is an end result of that is they don't have to have as much administration. They don't have to have as many pairs. They spend so much less than we do per student. Also, athletics is not a part of their school. such a part of the community, which because you lived in Europe and we lived in Europe for a while, we kind of saw that. We saw the gains of having the athletic programs and things like that be a part of the community because then it's not only reaching the children, but it's reaching the adults. It goes on. It's amazing. And, um, and it becomes a family affair and school is all about teaching. It's about academics. It's, uh, not about the other and the families are encouraged to do the other. But anyway, with Finland, same, same thing, but they, uh, the kids go through eighth grade and they know all along, they don't have to have a lot of standardized testing because their teachers are so strong. So they run a much more efficient program, but when they get in eighth grade, they've known all along that this is when they're going to start taking tests to determine, are they going to go through the vocational track? Are they going to go to the high school, which will go ahead and send them on up to the universities? And what's really cool about that, all of it's at no cost. And 
they can always change. They can go one route, finish it. Like I met with a bartender one night and he had gone the vocational route, the culinary route. And I asked him, I said, what do you think about it? He goes, oh, I loved it. He goes, we really value our schools. And I was very prepared and I've always been able to sustain myself. And, but he goes, I'm fixing to go back and do the university now because I want to do something different, uh, which I just thought was neat. But they, in the vocational track, some of the, depending upon which field you go into, it's very extremely rigorous. It's harder than going the university track. A lot of people have the misconception that only kids that lack cognitive abilities uh, go vocational track. Not at all true. Not at all true. They've studied it so intently and what's offered in the vocational schools is exactly what the country needs at the time. They're actually preparing them for jobs that are open and um, needed. Um, so anyway, they have that. And again, all of it, all of it's intertwined in what they do. Um, also, they have positions through the school system where, and this is what Pateri's wife did, where she works with families. If they, if they learn that families have, that the parents are unemployed and all, they go to intervene. You know, what's, what's going on? What can we do to help you find a job? And, or is there a psychological issue? Is, are you suffering from depression? If there is, what can we do to help you? Because the overarching goal is to help people feel good about themselves and to be able to sustain themselves. Not to say they don't have a welfare state, because they do, just like we do. But the way they approach it is how can we get them back to work? And it starts early on. Um, and I, I was just very, very, very impressed with that. So like if they see that they truly are not capable of work, that there's going to have to be some treatment, um, they make arrangements for that. They work with other government entities to make that happen. And um, overall, like it's just, it's so safe there. They have a minimal crime rate. We saw elderly women at five o'clock in the morning, it's pitch dark outside cleaning, picking up the street, felt perfectly safe. Uh, there's just so much respect for one another. We saw that in the school with the kids. Um, they don't waste food. They don't eat off styrofoam like we do. They're just doing... There's so much attention to detail and what they do and the impact that whatever decision they make, what it's going to have on the country overall. And we don't think like that. We don't, we don't look at our kids like that. Um, we try to have them all the same thing on the same track. Uh, all kids are treated the same and there it's really not. And they can, they can push their kids and that sounds bad, but they can, they can challenge their kids a lot more than we do. They, they want it for them. They want them to be survivors and uh, therefore they challenge them early on, but they, they feel confident their, their teachers have gone through a lot of schooling to understand how the brain works. They have brain breaks for the kids because they know they're going to challenge them. Uh, they know family's important and they treat it, treat it that way. That it just like I said, everything is so intentional, tied directly to the big picture for the country overall. And it was in response to a failing school system. And I don't know how long America is going to have to have a failing school system before we really realize it. The other thing that I like too is I think in the United States, school boards can be some of the most detrimental or can be the most detrimental organization within a school system of anything, uh, when all they're supposed to do is pick the leader, they don't. They want to micromanage and do everything and they're not capable of it. They don't have systems set up like that.
Hey there, friend. Hope you found our time together as equipping and encouraging as you crush your goals as a spiritually attuned go-getter. And great news, we are just getting started. There's so much more goodness coming your way. Goodness around creativity, spirituality, self-development, self-care, productivity, marketing, writing, and of course, goal crushing. Coming your way every Thursday. Nothing bring, well, maybe cake, brings me more joy than creating spaces like the Uproarious Profundity Show. To help get its message out to those who are hungry for it, it would be so helpful if you were to leave a review over on iTunes. To show my appreciation for you, I will be giving away a mystery book of mine. One of my most favorite books of all time that dramatically changed everything on Christmas. Yep. So head on over and leave a review on iTunes. And then on Christmas Day, I will draw a name and yours might be drawn. I'll draw a name of all the people that leave reviews. Could I explain this any more awkwardly? Probably not. But if your name is drawn, you will get this book mailed to you. This mystery book that enhanced everything for me as a spiritually attuned go-getter. I'll be sharing my results on my Instagram page. So be sure to follow me today at Meggie Lee underscore Calvin. So you can know if your name was drawn. Plus, and potentially more exciting, you will get all sorts of tips around recovering from burnout and crushing your goals. See you next Thursday, friend.